Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And our guest today is a woman I met at the Afterlife Symposium in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I sure am glad I, I did. Her name is Dr. Sharon Wesch, and she was kind enough to give me a copy of both of her books, Connected for All Time, books one and two. Dr. Wesch has 30 years experience with healing grief in her outpatient private practice. In addition, she holds a doctorate in clinical psychology and is an expert in energy field medicine. A pioneering spirit for sure, she has traveled internationally teaching spiritual healing and her mission is dedicated to healing grief. Her website is connectedforalltime.com. Dr. Sharon Wesch, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Oh, thank you, Sandra. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm really glad not only that you're here, but that we actually got to meet face to face. And um, that was great at the symposium. What a great event that was, wasn't it? Oh, it was marvelous. I met some wonderful, loving people, and uh, it was just a joy to be there. Yeah. For those who don't know, um, the Afterlife Symposium is a yearly event in Scottsdale, Arizona, with cutting-edge information about the afterlife, how to communicate with our friends in the afterlife, uh, healing through grief, and so much more. happens yearly in September, this 2018. It's going to be September 14th through 16th. And if that's something you may be interested in, which I think you will, um, you can go to afterlifesymposium.com dot org to find out more and it was sold out uh, this past year when Sharon and I were there with over 550 attendees so it's very cool and uh, a great place to meet like-minded people um, so enough of the commercial break here I said there was no commercials but I guess it's my commercial so it's okay Sharon how did you get involved in this world I, I um, you know I see your background in um, uh, your doctorate in clinical psychology and, and healing grief, but where did your journey all begin for you? Well, originally, I grew up on a farm in Indiana, and I was a math teacher. That was my big goal in life. I'm going to go to college and become a math teacher. So I did that, and I had no awareness of spirit early on. Uh, many people that do the work I do say, oh, I saw angels and I heard voices as a child. I didn't have any of that. And I was a very ordinary, traditional um, kind of woman. Um, I was married with two little kids, and the event that opened everything for me was my father's death, just like you, Sandra. Yes, yes. Yes, and um, when my father died, I was about 36, uh, was getting ready to go back and be a math teacher, and his death just uh, upended me. I felt like God pulled the rug out from underneath me, and I couldn't find my grounding, my footing again. I got severely depressed and even was wishing I could go be on the other side with my dad. I didn't want to stay here anymore, but, of course, I had these two beautiful children, so I really couldn't leave. Right. So um, I went into counseling as a client for grief, and... Um, I, I fell in love with grief counseling. I was a therapist's dream. <laughs> so few people can say that, I think. But I loved going every week, and I learned all these new things about not only about healing grief and working with my emotions, but I learned about um, early childhood decisions and how they're running our lives and when we don't know it. And at this point, I was doing traditional grief counseling. It had nothing to do with spiritual work. But it was my beginning step. So um, when my father died, um, I had no connection with him. It's like he went in a dark hole, and I couldn't connect with him. I didn't have any dreams or messages or anything like that. It, it Just nothing. So then um, the next thing that happened was eight years later, um, my, my dear mother-in-law died. She and I were very close. Her name was Golda. And this time, uh, I had a totally different experience. Um, two days after her funeral, I was laying on a couch in my living room. I was home alone, listening to a meditation tape. And I was halfway through my doctoral program at this point. 
still not on a spiritual path, but um, I'm listening to this meditation tape and suddenly I felt her and I looked up and she floated into the room full body. She was there full body. She had this, she had died of cancer and lost her hair and here she was beautiful. She, her hair was like, she just stepped out of a beauty shop. Um, She had this light coming off of her chest and off of her face and um, her hair was back and she just looked absolutely radiant and beautiful. And the moment I saw her, everything shifted for me and I just went, there is no death. Here she is. She's alive. (laughs) She knows me. She loves me. She's here. And it it all happened so fast, it was probably five seconds, but she floated up to the couch where I was lying. She leaned down and kissed me on the cheek. I saw her do it, and I felt her as if it was a real human being kissing me. Wow, how special. Oh, it was so special. And then she leaned back up and floated past me and went right through my uh, entry doors of my home without opening them. She just went right through. So I sat up on the couch and I held my heart and I was just weeping. I mean, weeping for joy. I I wasn't in grief. I was just in total wonder and amazement that this had happened to me. It was my very first amazing spiritual experience. And I was never the same since. Mm. That, That moment opened me to a whole new reality, like there is life after death, and this mother-in-law of mine is alive and well and knows me and loves me and could come and visit. <laughs> it was it was like an epiphany, epiphany you know? Yeah. I, and it's I, encouraging because there's so many people that have lost a loved one, or, you know, losing is not the right word, I know, but um, has had a loved one transition, crossover, and they don't get any signs and it's like, you know, it's this feeling of what's wrong with me. How come I hear these stories? Other people are. And so that it was eight years for you. And then you had this phenomenal experience really does give hope that it's possible. Yes. And, um, so because of that experience with my mother-in-law, I bought every book I could find on life after death um, (laughs) and spirit communication. And I was on this quest to understand that experience And that led me to go to a conference where um, it was a week-long conference in Minneapolis area, and uh, it was all about uh, healing and with energy and spirit communication, and there were uh, 12 mediums there. It's probably several hundred people, and we we had a choice of signing up with a medium or not. So I did. I picked this name off of a list of 12 people, just I didn't know any of them. This was all new to me. Mm-hmm. And so I had my first um, spiritual reading with a medium that week. And that was, again, eye-opening. And I have to tell you the experience I had before I met with the medium. I was walking early in the morning by a river on this college campus. And I, I felt, um, you know, I was kind of uplifted from the sound of the water in the early morning and I was walking along, and I opened to this feeling of, of singing of the angels. It was amazing. And I suddenly realized that, that the angels were singing to me, and it was the song, I Love You Truly. And I didn't, all the words were there in my head, and I was crying as this was happening. And I thought, I wonder if this is my dad singing to me. I hoped it was. I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. But I felt this overwhelming love, and I was just, you know, crying for the love, not not sadness. So then a couple hours later, I sat with the medium, and the uh, first thing he said was, oh, did somebody uh, close to you die of a heart attack? And I went, well, yes. He says, oh, I see it's your father. He's standing behind you with his hand on your shoulder. Can you feel him? Feel him? I said, no. And then he says, well... He's so glad you could feel him this morning while you were walking by the river. Do you understand what that means? Wow. <laughs> I was, oh, yes, I understand what that means. And I was so thrilled for myself that I could 
feel his presence and and wonder if it was him. I wasn't sure. But to have that confirmation like two hours later was That's like, confirmation, all right. Yes. Nothing <laughs> vague about that. Terrific. Yeah. I was so thrilled. Yes. So in that first, um, I really encourage people in grief to go sit with a medium. I don't consider myself a medium. I mean, I get messages, but I, I'm not really a medium. I, I'm a counselor, a healer, and a, a therapist, mm-hmm. and I work a lot with grief. And I, I often help people raise their vibration enough that they get messages in my sessions. So, But I encourage people to sit with mediums because it's so joyous to really get a message. And often the message is confirming what you already have experienced, like, like mine was. Um, but in that first reading, my father came through, then my mother-in-law came through, and uh, it was just joyous, absolutely joyous. And then at that time, I'd ar- I already had opened uh, the first holistic medical center in the Midwest. Um, I did that because of my identical twin sister had gotten a diagnosis of MS. So I was moved to create a place that would help her heal. Terrific. And it was, it was a wonderful place and part of my own spiritual growth. Um, so anyway, I, I started briefly telling some of my clients in that center about my experience with Roy Waite, the, the medium. I was careful who I told because I didn't want to get defined as crazy or Whatever, you know, I'm a PhD psychologist in Indiana, and this is in the early 90s when spirit communication wasn't so talked about and the way it is now. So, um, anyway, at one point, um, each time I told some of my grief stricken clients about Roy, they would say, Can I see him? And I'd say, Yeah, you can go to this conference. And then they would always say, Oh, I can't take a week off work, it's too far, it's too expensive. Anyway, finally, somebody said to me, well, could you bring Roy here? I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll ask him. So I asked him, and he said yes. And it turned out he lived in Montreal, Canada. So he would fly into Chicago, and I would have him stay at my house for four days, and I would organize um, people to see him for as a spiritual medium. And we started and it went really well. And then six months later, we do it, did it again. And then we had too many clients who wanted to see him. I was really good at promoting this whole sure, thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> because I so believed in it. It had been so helpful to me. So then I said to him, well, Roy, why don't you come once a month? And we'll just do this. He, he could see 21 people on a weekend. We'll just do this. And if we run out of people, we'll back off. So he made that agreement, and this man, the spiritual medium, came to my home in Indiana one weekend a month for 10 years, Sandra. (laughs) Sharon, that's incredible. Isn't that an incredible journey? Yes, it is. And so I would would talk to people and convince them to come, and and then he would do the sessions, and he, he would tape the sessions. So if they were my counseling client, they would bring the tape the next week to their individual session, and we would listen to it together. So during that, those 10 years, I probably listened. I, I added it up one time. I sponsored 2,500 readings with this medium, and I probably listened to half of those. So I got this incredible education in spiritual communication, sure. and, uh, life after death, and you know, and what happened in that was during that time is often people would come because they'd lost a mother or a grandmother, and Roy would say, oh, and there's a spirit of a baby here. Did you lose a baby? <laughs> of course, he was always right, and the person would be so shocked. I mean, nobody ever came saying, I want to connect with the soul of this baby that died. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody thought that was possible, I think. They never ask about that, but it would just come up. And, uh, and so that was the beginning for me of understanding that the soul of a baby has consciousness and is a powerful being who can come back and communicate. And often these people who had lost the baby um, never thought that that baby was still back being a soul. You know, they just thought, 
And they had never thought about healing their grief about it. They were sort of, it was like they were in deep grief, but they denied it and kind of pushed it down. Are we talking so, about all kinds of babies, like babies that die, you know, after they're born and unborn babies and aborted yes, babies, all, of, all the above? All of the above. It could be a miscarried baby. Um, we even had one, I have one story in the, the books connected for all time are about healing grief when a baby dies. Of course, all the information in these books uh, can apply to when your husband dies or when an older child dies or when your parent dies. Uh, somehow I was spiritually guided to write these books about babies dying. I never did quite understand why, but it was like a passion for me. I personally have never lost a baby. And um, so it wasn't that I was trying to help, you know, or heal my own grief mm -hmm. about that, but... But I got all this uh, guidance that I was to write these books. So well, I did. <laughs> I'm glad you did because this is the first episode that we've had talking about this particular subject. And I like how, even though it, it's about babies, it isn't. You know, the same information applies to everyone. So I think this is a, a valuable episode for anybody who is who is you know wants to know about um, being connected and grief and you know all all of it. So I'm really excited that it was you. And if, you know, and if you had lost your own child, maybe you would have been too close to the subject to write it yourself. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> and But really, just I want to congratulate you and give you lots of praise and gratitude for hosting that medium for so long and for being so committed to your uh, patients, your clients, to not only have them record these uh, sessions, but for you to listen to them and to draw out the similarities and the stories that you know, in turn now is a gift for so many people. Because it, it is a topic that's it's unsaid. And I don't know, I had met a medium once who had uh, told me I had a brother um, that was just a, uh, let's see, a younger brother, because I do have an older brother in reality. And he was telling me about a younger brother. And I said, no, I don't have a younger brother. And he says, oh, yes, you do. He grew up, he's growing up and grew up in the afterlife. And this is what he's saying. And really some detailed information about my life. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, he was in a miscarriage and da-da-da-da-da. Yes. And so very <laughs> gently, you know, I don't talk too much to my mom about this stuff, which is fine. You know, it's uh, not something... Um, you know, I'm open with, you know, thousands of people around the world, but, you know, people have to be ready and ask, to, you know, when, especially when things are of spiritual nature and, and afterlife and things. And, and so, um, mom and I never gotten, never got into a deep conversation about it, but I, I did end up asking, you know, if there was a miscarriage between me and uh, my younger sister. And sure enough, there was, you know, mm -hmm. that I never knew about. So interesting. Yes. Um, well, my whole point of, in these books is that we are supposed to heal our grief. We're not supposed to get stuck in it. And I work with grief with the idea that grief is an energy, that every emotion has energy and they're all different vibrations. The energy of love is a very high vibration that uplifts people. The energy of grief is very heavy and a low frequency that pulls people down. And um, many people in grief talk about feeling like they have an elephant sitting on their chest. There's a pressure there. Yes. And really what that pressure is, is that the energy of grief, which is very heavy, can fill the cells of your body and be held in there for even years. And that's the pressure that people feel. So I use imagery and visualization to release the energy of that grief. And actually we use, and we imagine the grief having a color and that it can be collected out of the cells into a ball in your chest. And then you can visualize it leaving. And people actually feel the pressure in their chest uh, go way down when we do this. So first we release the energy of the grief. Then I have them tap into the energy of divine love. That, and I have them imagine it as this really bright light 
when the sun shines on the water, mm-hmm. when you're walking by the ocean, there's yes. that brilliant light. Well, that's the light of God. And I have them imagine, you know, we, we hear about people having a near-death experience. They go into the light. Yes. And they come back out of it and talk about it. So most people think they can't have the light until they're dying or having a near-death experience. And the truth is people can tap into that light at any point in their life by visualizing it. So after we release the grief, I have them connect into that ball of light and have it pour into their crown chakra and come down and fill their heart with the divine light. And there's an uplifting that happens during that. It raises the person's vibration so that they go kind of up, um, feeling uplifted. And then the next thing that needs to happen to heal grief is that the person has a believable moment of spirit communication. And to me, that is the key to healing grief. If you can connect into divine love and experience the light and have a vision or a message from your deceased loved one, whether that's a parent or a husband or a wife or a baby, that moment of spiritual communication is so healing. That's what happened for me with my mother-in-law. That's what happened for me with my father, but not until I sat with a spiritual medium. But it's that believable experience that is so key to healing grief. And then the fourth step of my healing grief process is the shift to a spiritual perspective about life after death, about life, about death, about about everything in the world, that you shift from believing you're just this human being walking on the planet to, oh, I have a soul, and I'm an immortal soul who um, came to Earth to learn lessons. So my way of healing grief is these four steps. And this can be about a baby. It can be about any grief experience, you release the energy of the grief, you fill your heart with divine love, that's another energy, you have a believable experience of spirit communication, and then you shift your consciousness and open to the whole idea of spirit um, is, is the main part of your life. And I've evolved in this over a period of years. Um, I've been doing grief counseling for probably 35 years now, and uh, I love doing it. I love, you know, how it helped me heal my own grief, and I love leading people through that process. Yeah, it's really terrific. I know for myself, uh, with my dad's death, um, it was somewhere into the four-year mark that I honestly felt like a dark cloud had lifted. That's the best way I could ta- describe that feeling of that pressure, that heaviness. And so yeah. I like how you're describing it, that the heavy vibration of grief, because it did, it felt like something was just looming over me, something heavy, until all of a sudden it was like, hey, where'd it's that fun. go? Yeah. <laughs> But if it doesn't have to take four years, and if there's a way to uh, maybe not really fast forward through the process, because I know grieving is a process, but I I really like that that's how you're teaching it. Is is this um, those four steps in your books? Yes, they're in my books. Love Mm -hmm. it. Love it. Love it. And as far as raising the energy... I've heard it just from the classes and books that I've read. When we are in that real heavy energy, uh, we are not vibrating at a rate, this is what I believe anyways, that we can easily communicate with the spirit realm because the spirit realm vibrates at a higher energy. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And so often when people are in really deep grief, it's almost impossible for the spirit of their loved one to get through that, which is um, often why some spirit communication happens years later. And st- for some people, it happens immediately. 
one of those one of the stories I love in in these books on healing grief when a baby dies um, is a a young mother who um, had talked to her baby the whole time she was pregnant. She believed the baby had consciousness and could hear her, and so she had talked to him continually and and many people working with babies and birth teach parents to do that, you know, that your baby can hear you uh, because the baby has consciousness. And so she'd already been doing that and had no um, expectation there would be anything wrong with the baby. But uh, when the baby was born, it had a heart defect, I think it was. And so the baby only lived uh, like 23 hours. And she immediately started getting communication from the baby. She could hear uh, the baby saying to her, Mommy, don't cry. She heard a little voice. And then um, somehow she had no training in, in spirit communication or any of this, but she would carry on conversations with the soul of this baby right from the beginning. Now, she's very unusual. Most, most people don't have that experience, but this woman did, and her baby explained to her that they had had uh, a prearranged contract that they would go through this together and that her mission ended up being that she uh, created a... Um, a grief group at the hospital for other women that had lost babies. And she became, her mission became to teach people about healing grief after the loss of a baby. So all of the stories in my books um, contain the experience of the mother receiving communication from the soul of the baby. And whether that happens in a dream or whether it happens through a spiritual medium or direct communication like this mother had, it's, it's all about helping people heal from grief rather than getting stuck in it and understanding that they have to shift to a spiritual perspective about life in order for that healing to happen. These, uh, my, the stories in these books are so inspirational and uplifting you know one friend of mine said oh who wants to read a book about babies dying that's so <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because i can get how somebody would say that <laughs> yeah, yeah that's so sad i don't even want to read them and i said no 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 the stories are uplifting they're full of joy and wonder from really the the joy of spirit communication and that it's these are stories of healing. They're not sad stories. And they're stories that carry the message that we are all eternal souls. And that um, when a baby dies, it's an invitation for the parents to heal. And it's an invitation for the parents to awaken spiritually. Because the um, every baby that dies, there was a prearranged plan for that to happen. It was an agreement between the soul of the baby and the soul of the parents and the rest of the family. And story after story, this is the message. We agreed to do this at the soul level before we ever you before the parents ever came down to earth and that the whole purpose of the loss of this baby is the spiritual awakening of the parents and i was blown away when i started learning that it's like oh my god <laughs> there you know most parents when they well people when they people in general when they go through grief they start asking why yes why? Why, God, did this happen to me? And I never used to have an answer for that when a client would ask me why. And now I know that the answer is for your own soul growth. Mm -hmm. That's why. And that at the soul level, you agreed to go through this. 
when I look at my own life, um, I believe my father and I had a contract that we would be very close. I considered him a soulmate. And uh, that when he died, I would go through this devastating grief and find my whole new life, my whole purpose for this life of becoming a spiritual healer, becoming uh, having a mission to help others through grief, uh, opening to uh, spiritual energy work. And I think if my father hadn't died, I was like 36, 37 then, I don't know that I ever would have taken on this path. And so if I can think of my father's having a purpose that he would leave early, I would be motivated to heal my grief and open into a whole new way of thinking about life, opening to uh, the idea of spirit exists, I'm a soul, I'm not just this human being going through life, climbing the ladder of, of success, earning money, you know, whatever you think of in the material world. But I'm this eternal soul. I don't know that I ever would have come to those understandings if my father hadn't died. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I've got the same story. Yes, yes. And, you know, we read all these spiritual books. It's the same theory over and over again. And um, the message in my books on healing grief after an infant dies is that you need to, each parent needs to free themselves from suffering. We're not supposed to stay stuck, stuck in the grief. We're supposed to transform our grief into joy, uh, the joy of spirit communication, of opening our hearts to spirit love. And when we connect with the soul of our deceased loved one, whether it's a baby or a father or a husband, that we have to raise our consciousness to be able to do that. And it's the, the soul growth that happens on the healing journey that is the very purpose of our life here. We are here to grow. And... Um, to move from terrible soul loss after the tragedy of a love, the death of a, of a loved one. And for most people in the beginning, they feel this devastating grief and a disconnection from spirit. They feel, yes, I felt alone, lost, isolated from God, um, bereft, you know, and um, it's that disconnection that feels so terrible. And then finding a way to connect back to spirit. And I continually say grief is meant to be the doorway to spiritual awakening. I'm going to say that one more time. Grief is meant to be the doorway to spiritual awakening. That's the very purpose of it. Your pain in your heart that you want to heal pushes you. Yes. Pushes you to find a way to heal it. And the only way to heal it is to go spiritual, to awaken to spirit energy, the energy of divine love, the joy of spirit communication. And that when you do that, the human suffering goes away. So interesting. You're putting into words what I've been witnessing, whether it's l people listening to my show or other shows or the folks that buy the books or go to the symposium. That common denominator is the the grief we feel, and and it it sets us on this journey of discovery. And then you know what happens we start doing exactly what you're saying. We're tapping into our spiritual nature. We're seeing the bigger purpose. We're starting to realize that we have a soul with a plan. Um, we meet like-minded people. We start embracing our life and seeing that our life is for a purpose. And it does exactly that. And um, my listeners might have heard me say this before, but there's some pine cone that um, the only way that it can grow 
into a tree is if it's subjected to a fire, an intense flame and heat will crack open that outer shell that will allow that pine cone to grow into a pine tree. And I can't help but think that our intense suffering is the same thing. It's exactly. that intense heat that will allow us to to grow. Exactly. That's absolutely. And so it's so sad for me that many, many people in grief um, don't heal. They take their pain to the grave. They have no clue that that healing is possible. And um, I love to send out this message. Whatever grief you're experiencing, you can heal it. But you have to go spiritual. You, I don't think you can heal grief at the human level. It just is impossible. Um, one of the things I learned from from all the messages that came through in these uh, these stories about healing grief when the baby dies is that the soul of every baby came with a sacred purpose. And the death of every baby has meaning and purpose. The death of a baby is not an accident. It's not a punishment. It's nothing that the mother or father did wrong. So many women that have miscarriages or the baby dies during birth or whatever the scenario is, they somehow interpret it that this is my fault. I did something wrong. Yes. And that is never, never true. Uh, the death of a baby is a prearranged soul plan. And the two of you agreed to that ahead of time. That message comes through spiritual mediums in the, in the book. The, every story, particularly in book two. I, book two is about um, 10 different families that I follow each family. For one family, they didn't get, their baby died and they didn't get a message from the baby till 25 years later. Wow. <laughs> the, the mother sat, she became a hospice nurse because her baby died. So she was on her spiritual path and following her purpose, but she didn't understand that the baby was guiding her the whole time. And 25 years later, she sat with a spiritual medium and the spirit of the, of the little girl baby that died came through and said, I've been guiding you this whole process. <laughs> and, this whole thing was meant to be. And this couple uh, evolved into sitting five years with the, with the spiritual medium and all of them and learning spirit communication. And then they brought, uh, developed a spiritual healing center in Ohio. And so the death of this baby influenced their whole lives. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story of of the sacred pre-birth plan that they had at the soul level and them discovering the plan years later after the death of that baby. So for all of you who've lost a baby, you need to realize that baby is a very powerful soul. And you are a powerful soul, and that baby wants you to evolve and understand this whole death scenario from a spiritual nature. And um, I have to tell you, when a, you know, spirit just guided these books. Um, as I was, once I set my intention to write the books on healing grief when a baby dies, I became the story magnet. <laughs> yes. And, and I would have these synchronistic experiences of even sitting in a bar and a woman came in and, and, uh, I said, how are you? She sat down next to me. We're having a glass of wine. I said, how are you? And she said, oh, better now. I said, and as soon as she said it, I thought, I know what this is. I said, what do you mean better now? Well, my, my baby died 10 years ago today on this date. And I always, you know, take the day to go be by myself. And, and, um, and, and she said, was sitting next to you. <laughs> there she was sitting next to me in a bar. And she tells me this whole story. And so she ends up in my book. And um, the other thing that, that happened to me, I, was, I was, had all these stories. I was trying to figure out how to weave them together in a, 
in a, a way. And I was um, living in Phoenix at the time, and I decided to go up to Sedona, Arizona, which is where I live now. Um, but I knew Sedona was a very spiritual place, and there's called, this place called Bell Rock that's supposed to be able to you're supposed to be able to connect, you know, into the spirit world easily. So a friend and I went there, and as we got out of the car, um, I noticed this. Um, it looked like a to me like an American Indian man walking ahead of me, and he had a big drum on his back and a braid down over the drum. And I wanted to run up and talk to him, but I thought, oh, I can't interrupt. So I didn't. So I went up on Bell Rock, and he went down underneath. And within moments of sitting down to meditate with my friend, he started playing this drum, and the woman that was with him was, was playing a flute. And I was, you know, it was like having my own private vision quest. And so... Um, as we as he finished, we both came down from Bell Rock, and and I ran over to thank him for uh, playing the drum. And um, I found the most interesting moment. He said to me, "My name is Washan. I'm an Inca medicine man, and that he was from Peru, and that they had a, a special." Um, Inca way of working with the babies when the baby died. And all the people from Peru, would, the Incas would bring their baby and bury the body at a special mountain called Pachatusan. And then he said, the spirits of these babies form a ring around the mountain. And if you're quiet when you're there, you can hear the baby singing. And they make this beautiful music. And then he said, all the Inca healer men and women have to go to this mountain and learn to communicate with the babies before they can become healers. Wow. Isn't that an amazing it story? Sure is. Yes. And he said that, um, that if people are um, sick, either in mind or body, they go to the sacred place of the babies to receive healing. And then he said, we want you and the world to know of the healing power of the spirit babies. And then I suddenly got the theme to weave all these stories together, because as I would finish a story, I would say, and the spirit of this little baby is acting like a healer for the family, just like the spirit of the Inca babies. And see, at this time in America, we don't have that kind of a story or a, a idea that the spirit of a baby could be a healer. But what I found in every story in the books is that was true, that here in modern-day America, the spirit of the baby becomes a powerful healer for the parents. Oh, that's terrific. I have often thought of, uh, like you had said, that your book, even though we're talking about babies, it can be applied to any loss that we've had. But, you know, I've known people that have lost little children, yes, toddlers, and uh, the guilt that people can be overcome with. And by putting on the spiritual hat, so to speak, and looking from a spiritual perspective that perhaps there was a plan in all this for what they, you know, you yourself are going to learn, how you're going to grow, how your, like, pine cone is going to be um, heated up and, and and allow for your growth. But I, but I had this vision that these babies and these children are these superheroes, superhero angels yes, that are, are so, <laughs> yeah, ad, advanced and that they chose to come in this way and do this. And so uh, it's easy on the earth human level to think, oh, this baby never had a chance. This child never had a chance. But wearing the spiritual hat going, oh, they are one of the most evolved souls that do have this healing energy and the and the power to put people on their spiritual paths. You know, so you're right. It's all about the perspective that we 
that we look at it. Yes, and I, I talk in my books about uh, looking at life through human eyes and then shifting to looking at life through your soul eyes. And it's a huge shift in consciousness. That And see, our own journey here on Earth is all about transforming ourselves, transforming our, our beliefs, um, and through that, evolving to higher levels of consciousness. You know, before my father's death and my mother-in-law's death and my journey, my own personal journey, I had no beliefs about life after death. I mean, I was raised in a traditional Christian family. I believed in heaven. I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I didn't even believe it was possible. I'd heard stories, but I didn't think it was really possible for spirits to come back and communicate. That was just beyond my belief system. But our whole nature here, our soul's nature is to keep growing and learning, embracing spiritual wisdom and expanding our capacity to, to love. And to me, loving the spirit of your baby when there is no physical body is the ultimate in expanding your ability to love. Um, one of the stories uh, in, the, in the book is about um, this baby that dies, and the grandfather is um, a world or a uh, Vietnam uh, pilot during the Vietnam War. And when, he, when that baby was dying, this is going to make me cry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, this uh, ordinary guy, a Vietnam pilot, decided he would take the night shift and he would stand by that baby's bed uh, all night long so that the baby would never be alone. And he would read uh, stories to that baby that was unconscious in a neonatal intensive care unit. And, and I was like, you know, this baby opened this man's heart. He was probably 60 when this was happening. Mm -hmm. And his journey through the loss of this baby transformed this Vietnam pilot. It, and, and one of the things he said is that through this process, he learned that Unconditional love is about giving when you don't get anything back. Yes. Oh, it was such a touching sure. scene. <laughs> I interviewed him with, you know, here is with tears running down his face and talking about that baby transforming his life. And that he would get messages from the baby. He'd feel Cole's presence around him. And, um, you know, all of the stories are like that. They're, Stories of expansion and, and soul love. And uh, one of the, how I got the title for the books, Connected for All Time, um, is from another story of a mother who, uh, her baby died uh, with a heart defect. She didn't process it. Nobody would talk about it. She didn't go for grief counseling. Her husband wouldn't talk about it. So she just buried all this grief. And 25 years later, she got a diagnosis of cancer. And so she started doing all kinds of holistic things, including meditating. And she got started getting the connection to the energy of that baby 25 years later. And then she started getting, over a period of years, getting words from him. And one time in meditation, he said to her, um, Mom, we are connected whether you know it or not, I am constantly guiding you and inspiring you. And um, we don't have to talk, but I am, we are connected for all time. And when I was looking for the title of the book, I was rereading that story. I thought, oh, there it is. Uh -huh. <laughs> we are connected for all time. And so for all of you, Parents out there, I think this is true whether you've lost a baby or an older child or you've lost a husband or a wife or parent. We are connected for all time through soul love. 
Like I am connected to my father forever while I'm here on earth and he's in heaven. I'm connected to my mother-in-law for all time. They will, I totally believe their souls will meet me when I pass over, but we can have this connection while I'm here and they're there that they are guiding me and they're around me and that these uh, babies that have passed, their souls are connected through soul love to the parents, the grandparents, siblings, and they are like angels watching over their loved ones here on earth. I totally believe that. Story after story after story in these books proves that. Mm. Do the children continue to grow up? Absolutely. Yes, that message came through loud and clear with when I was working with Roy Waite and also in these books that um, whatever age they pass at, that they continue to, they often show up at, you know, if it's 10 years after the death, let's say the baby died at, or the child died at five, 10 years later they come through, they look 15. So yes, they they continue to grow on the other side and they present themselves uh, at that new age. Oh, wow. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it is. Sharon, I know I hold in my hand the two books of yours, which are beautiful. Uh, where can people find your books? Um, they can, can uh, get them from me directly. They can go on the website, connectedforalltime.com. Or they can send me a direct email at my name, Sharon Wesh at yahoo.com. And Sharon is S-H-A-R-O-N Wesh, W-E-S-C-H. So it's my name at yahoo.com. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Wow. This uh, hour has gone by pretty fast. Is there anything I haven't asked you or you haven't shared that you think uh, you still want to share? I mean, I know there's more because you have two books full of information. <laughs> I, I but talk for days. Yes. I, I think the main message is to, um, to know that when you have that shift in consciousness from um, believing your baby is a poor, helpless baby out there in the universe and is still um, needs a mother, if you can get a shift in consciousness to knowing your baby is now a powerful soul. And that powerful powerful soul has consciousness, is guiding your life, sending you inspiration. Uh, for many mothers, that's the, the biggest shift in healing, that they stop thinking of their baby as just a poor, helpless baby that died, and began to understand that baby now, always was, but particularly now without the body, is a powerful soul and can bring healing to the whole family. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. I'm on your website now, and um, I just happened to notice that you have a, a tab there for Radiant Heart Healing, which you list your four steps right on your site. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Radiant Heart Healing is the general work that I do. Um, and it's all about helping people open their hearts, release their human pain, and bring in the energy of divine light. And when they bring that in, their heart becomes radiant. There's a light that comes from the heart chakra and just radiates out. And this uh, process was given to me by, by spirit when I was working in my center back in 1984. It's not something I was taught or that I created. It was given to me as a gift that came through spirit in a moment with a client, a profound moment of healing where this woman shifted from I want to die to claiming a life wish of I want to live. It was a magical, profound Yes, moment. sure. And so um, I have another book uh, called The Radiant Heart, and it's about using the radiant heart with everything, not just grief, but 
helping with anxiety and depression. And, and then I have um, all my work with grief includes the radiant heart work. So um, it's been my mission. It's my sole purpose. Uh, I love doing it. I love working with the people that are guided by spirit to mm-hmm. come work with me. Sure. And um, I think I, my life would be so empty if I weren't um, doing the radiant heart work and following my mission, following my, that little voice of my soul that said, go this direction. <laughs> um, I, my life is very spirit guided. And I'm so I feel so blessed. Yes, being of service really uh, it gives to whoever you're giving to, but it comes right back to us. I mean, there's no better gift to give yourself than to make a difference with another person. Yes, and I, you know, I've been doing this work a long time, and it's still a joy every time. Sure, <laughs> somebody. Mm-hmm. Do you work with clients? If someone were to listen to this and think, "Oh, I really." This lady would be great. I wonder if I could talk to her. Is that something you offer that you? Yes. I, I, I see. I live here in Sedona now. I see clients face to face here in my office, but I also do a lot of uh, healing work over the phone. Good to know. Good. I have clients, um, you know, all over the country and, um, you know, we might do one session. We might do three or four depending on what they want or need. But yes, I work over the phone a lot. Are you open to all over the world? Because this is a global <laughs> show. And it might be, yes, yeah. yes we, can, we can work by Skype uh, all over the world. <laughs> yeah, Skype, phone, oh, all of it. Um, all of it, yeah. Yeah, there's always a way. That's what I figured out with this show. There's always a way to contact people, There's no matter where on the planet they are. And that's really good to know, because I know for myself, there are certain people that I've spoken to that have really resonated to me that, you know, that's somebody I'd like to talk to. You know, others, not so much, but that's okay, you know, um, one size doesn't fit all, you know, so to speak. But it, it's nice to know that that's that that's offered. You know, um, should somebody wish that. But again, your website is connectedforalltime dot com, and there you can find Dr. Sharon Wesh's books, how to contact her, the four steps that she uh, spoke about earlier. And Sharon, this has been a really uh, Oh, I'm really grateful for this episode this episode for me personally because what I got out of it the loudest is that grief is as terrible as it may feel when we're going through it. It is a gift that set me on my spiritual path. And by meeting you at the symposium and so many of the listeners uh, that I've finally got to meet some people face to face and to get that these, these are people that I'd like to have as best friends for life that we can talk this lingo. And it, it's such a, a rich life uh, looking at our spirituality and, and, you know, really by shifting our, our view to um, spirituality as opposed to just being human, you know? So, yeah. So Sandra, I honor you for doing this show and for your book and the work that you're doing to help so many awaken to their spirituality. It's it's really a wonderful service that you're doing for all of us. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for that. And I found my purpose out of my grief. Yes, me too. Yeah. So the, to me, that's the whole message yeah. is, is don't get stuck in your grief. As you heal it, you will find purpose in it. Mm. That's why it's so valuable, whether it's shows like my show or Roberta Grimes has a great show. Uh, Victor and Wendy Zamet have an afterlife report that comes weekly. Uh, going to things like the symposium, other groups, other books, talking to you on the phone, Skype, or any number of people. To not get stuck in your grief it really means to reach out and and be supported through it um being alone in our head is the worst place to be i'm convinced not not a good place not a good place i agree not <laughs> there's a good help place. there's help all around all around reach out and ask for it yeah mm-hmm. and find something that interests you and, and follow that you know so many of my episodes some people are like well that one's not for me well this one really is and it, it, it doesn't matter you find the thing that seems to 
light you up and, and follow it. Oh, so Dr. Sharon Wesh, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you, Sandra. Oh, and for our listener, thank you for spending this hour with us. And I know it's been a value to me, and that's how I gauge them. If they're a value to me, I think they are for you. Um, and as always, our home base is We Don't Die Radio.com. And if you are somebody who's suffering from grief, um, know that there's more than hope that you are probably going to set sail on a great spiritual path. But I do offer a free audio called How to Survive Grief that you can get at WeDon'tDieRadio.com as well as listen to all past 200 and some episodes. Um, as, as a support group, we also have our Facebook group. If you're a Facebook user, you can go to We Don't Die List, or you can type in We Don't Die Listeners into the search box and join us and, and share with us where you're at. And we are all speak the same language of believing in the afterlife and and hope and how to connect with our loved ones and I'm really excited to share this episode Sharon with the, with uh, the Facebook group they'll really love it um, uh, one more thing is my book We Don't Die A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death just went for sale on audiobook so it's my voice me rereading it to you and the wonderful Dr. Bernie Siegel who uh, wrote the foreword also reads the foreword so you can find that on Amazon and audible.com and wherever you buy audiobooks so in closing my name is Sandra Champlain and I've been your host this past hour on We Don't Die Radio I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important so take a few minutes go visit Sharon's website connectedforalltime.com really really a beautiful woman and beautiful words in her book so I want to really thank you for listening and we'll see you soon mm-hmm.